Good morning. What a beautiful morning it is. And uh, we're going to talk about politics. How do you like that? <laughs> Did you just boo me? <laughs> I wouldn't blame you. Uh, we're going to talk politics Jesus style, um, which isn't really talking about politics at all. It's about being real people of real answers is what it is. So, uh, but we will touch on this stuff just a bit. Uh, I love the Holy Spirit. I love how he moves. We're going verse by verse through Matthew 5, 6, and 7 in this series, in this journey we're calling Follow, and we just happen to fall on, we just happen to fall on, Matthew 5, 38. Now, I want to read 38 to 48 before we dive into this so you can see what we're going to talk about today, and I want you to think about our country. Um, what perfect timing of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 5, 38, and if you don't have a Bible, here's what we're talking about this morning. Follow along. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That sounds really good right now in America, doesn't it? You knock my tooth out, I knock yours out. Um, there's a lot of uh, desire for revenge and justification and justice right now in our country. And here's the real Jesus. By the way, Jesus is not a Republican. And Jesus is not a Democrat. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the image of what a perfect and true human being looks like in this world. And he would have spun the Republicans and the Democrats because he goes like this. Verse 39. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Whoa. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic... Let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you. And do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Do you see how countercultural Jesus is? He doesn't fit in our box, but that's why we love him. Verse 43, you have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, that's convenient. Love the ones that are like you. Love the ones who voted like you. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven, that you may show that you're of a new community, a whole new thing. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. He is, he is good to all people and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. He's good to all people. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? In other words, it's very easy to love people who love you, especially right now. And if you greet only your brothers on Facebook, I'm sure it's there somewhere, what more are you doing than others? In other words, Jesus says, I want you to do something in this time in our country that exceeds what other people are doing. That blows people's minds. Verse 48, you therefore must be becoming like your heavenly father. That's what that means. You therefore, if you're a follower of the way, if you're a follower of Jesus, we must be learning a new way to live this life, a new way to respond to our country so that people say, you look like the children of your father in heaven. I'm okay with that. So we're calling this series Follow. I don't know when this ends, by the way, uh, when, when Jesus is done with us. 
And we're calling it learning to live the life of Jesus together. Why? Why is this so important? Why is this so important? Why are we just not systematically going through a book of the Bible or topics in the Bible? America is so confused and tense right now. Give me a hand if there's confusion and tension. There is so much confusion and tension in our country right now. And it's understandable. This is a very hard time in our world and in our country. But if you look at the confusion and you look at the frustration in Americans... It's, it's, it's really intense right now, and I don't want anybody yelling out any political jargon today, okay? Yell out amens, Jesus is awesome, something like that, but no political anything. But I want you to look at the confusion and frustration in America to put Trump in the White House and then look at the response of frustration. That's how divided and wild our country is right now. Like we, we, put, peop, we put Trump or, or the American people put Trump in, and yet the American people are furious. And they're, the people who are furious, it's interesting, they're actually picketing and protesting the government when the people put Trump in office. I mean, this whole thing is so confusing right now. And by the way, the, the, through this whole sermon, you're going to try to figure out which way I'm leaning. I'm not leaning. And it's just wild. It's a wild time, and we need, we need answers so bad because it's like nobody knows how to respond. And nobody understands how to go forward right now. Nobody understands how we should even feel. We have a really special talk about this at our small group on Thursday nights. We're going to continue that talk. If you want to join us, hit us up on our website on the Connect dropdown, and we'll give you the address of our a small group. We're going to have a great discussion about this, but it's amazing. People are confused on how to even respond. If you're on social media, it's going wild right now, isn't it? And it's not slowing down right now. And here's what we need. We need a voice. We need a fresh example to show us a new way to be truly human and respond to this world right now. Uh, Matthew 9 you say, how is this relevant to Jesus in my life? It's, it's absolutely relevant. Matthew 9, verse 35. We've got a thousand angry voices. We've got a thousand scared voices. And I understand all of it. I get it. I'm part of it. But we need one voice. We need a fresh voice, a fresh example to show us a new way. Matthew 9, verse 35. It was no different in Jesus' day. There was political tension. The Jews were under a very terrible government. They were, they were very oppressed. Taxes were oppressively raised. Racism was wild. And Jesus looks at these Jewish people and he sees that they don't have a leader. 9.35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages. He's teaching in their synagogues. What is he teaching? Follow my voice. Follow my way. I'll get you through this. And proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. You can be my people. You can follow me. You can live a new way. Verse 36. When he saw the crowds, check this out. Think of our world right now. Think of the protesters. How does Jesus feel about all of this? When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. That literally means his heart dropped. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless. You say, what side is Jesus on? He's on the broken side. Harassed and helpless. And here's how Jesus feels about all the, the protesting and all the anger and all the people who are riding the high horse because their guy's in office or whatever. He says, this world is like a bunch of sheep who need a shepherd. 
This country right now is like a bunch of sheep who need to hear one voice, a shepherd's voice, who says, follow me, and I'll lead you into the, the gate that leads to protection. Verse 38, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, Bethel, to send out laborers into the harvest. He's not saying to protest, and I'm not even saying that's wrong, but what he's saying is, tell them there's a voice. Tell them there's a, a fresh way to live, a fresh leader. And they can follow me. Jesus wants to create a new community. This isn't just a church, guys. This isn't just a church we go to. So we can work out our own ways or agendas or whatever else is going on. Jesus wants to supernaturally create a new community. And he wants to teach us a fresh way of going forward in this broken country. And it doesn't look like anything we're hearing on Fox News, CNN, or on Facebook. The same scenario was going down in Jesus' day. Government oppressing the poor, government oppressing the immigrants. By the way, the poor oppressing the poor, the Jews oppressing the poor, everybody is hurting everybody. And so what he does is he, he becomes that one voice and he gathers his followers around him on a hill. And some of you are like, quit using Twin Peaks as the hill. It's, it's like... Uh, uh, oh, I forgot now. What's the park? Dolores Park. Yeah, okay, there you go. I'm new to the city. I'm getting there. I want you to visualize Dolores Park, and there Jesus is, and, and uh, San Francisco, is, they're, they're, on the, they're on the edge of rioting because of all the, the frustration from rich and poor and, and politics and poverty and laws being passed towards homeless, and, and uh, all just everything's about to explode. The tension is just hot. And Jesus has got thousands following him up Dolores Park and, and up one of the hills because he's a fresh voice and he's not saying side here or side here. He's saying there's a way to go about this and the way is love and it will knock down all the walls. And so thousands are saying, yeah, we don't even understand what that looks like, but it's new and fresh and we'll follow it. He says, no, it's not new and fresh at all. It's always been the way of God. You were just taught all wrong. And so he, he goes up on that hill and he gathers his, his tight group of 12 and he sits down on Dolores Park at the top of the hill and he gathers his 12 around him and thousands are kind of out here and there's a hush in the park. And he says, I know all kinds of thoughts are going in your mind, guys. You, you 12, crew, Bethel. I know, I know social media is blowing up and I know J-Law is telling you how to respond right now. Vengeance. And I know, I know Fox News is telling you it's all good. We're going forward. And I know CNN is saying the world's going to end. And I know your neighbor is furious. But listen to me. Let me show you a new and fresh way of God to go forward in this country. Same scenario. He gathers his followers around him. He begins to reteach them about life and how to respond in this world. Matthew 5, verse 1. This is how it opens. Seeing the crowds, the broken crowds, the confused crowds, the angry crowds. By the way, it's interesting today. It kind of goes along with the fundamentalist Christian movements that they wanted Jesus to raise up an army and destroy the government. Not all fundamentalism is wrong, but be very careful about how you view Jesus and how he's going to respond to the tension in our world. Seeing the crowds, he goes up onto the mountain, and when he sat down as the rabbi, as the teacher, his disciples came to him, and he says, now let me show you a fresh way that will blow your mind. Here's how we go forward as the people of God. Listen to my voice. 
And here's what he's got to do with his guys. And I need you to get this, Bethel. If you're visiting with us, this could be the greatest thing you hear right here from the mouth of Jesus Christ. Here's what Jesus is trying to do in your life. Here's what he's trying to do on top of that hill with his guys who have been taught all wrong about how to respond to the tension in their country. Following Jesus, learning the ways of Jesus works like this. It's progressively replacing destructive thoughts in our minds with the thoughts from the mind of Jesus. Like we all have an idea, we all have a thought process, we all have all of these lenses from our race, from our culture, from our background, from our political slants. We have all these lenses that we're looking at our country through. And Jesus says, here's the trick, guys. I want to wipe all the lenses away. I want to put a new lens over your mind that you're going to look through, and it's my mind. Romans 12, 2, this is what Paul's talking about. And some of you are starting to pick this up on how much I talk about the renewing of the mind. Here's what Paul says. This is what Jesus wants to do. He says in 12, do not be conformed to this world. Guys, it's easy and it's subhuman to just think the ways of this world and be swept downstream. It's cheap living. Do not be conformed to this world. All the messages are being told about how we should be responding to our country And then our country within our country called California, we do our own thing here. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be morphed. Where where is that? How does that work? By the renewal of your mind. Forget everything you were taught. Fight against the messages that you're hearing and let me rebuild your thinking on how to view this world, this country, and how we're supposed to be responding to everything around us. By the renewal of your mind, that's the, that's, that word renewal is where we get the word renovate, which is to tear the inside of a house out and rebuild it. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. Hmm, how does God want me to deal with this country? How do I respond to my friends? That's not easy to do. In other words, what Jesus is saying is remodel your thinking. Remodel the whole thing. Remodeling takes longer than you want. It always costs more than you thought. It's always terribly painful, especially if you're trying to live in the house while you're remodeling your house. And that's kind of how it feels in the head, doesn't it? Like Jesus is like, okay, you're living in the head. I get it. You're right there. You got all these thoughts. And my spirit wants to get in there and he wants to begin to break down all of the messages you're hearing and rebuild the whole thing. And it's like, oh man, this is not easy. I know by the size of me, this won't be a surprise, but I worked a little construction in my time. Thank you for that. I actually laid hardwood floor. I don't do it anymore. Every time I say that, someone's like, hey, I want to redo my floors. I did it for two months, and I got fired. And this is what it feels like renewing the mind. This is what it feels like having all of these, these thoughts about race and gender and pain and frustration and immigration. And you got, you got all this tension up here, and Jesus says, I want, I want to lovingly weave it out, and I want, to, I want to teach you how to follow me and think like me. It's very hard. It, it, it works a little like this. It gets a little messy at times. I was an apprentice. I was a follower of a guy who owned a company, a hardwood floor company. I was an apprentice. You get it? And he was no Jesus. I think he hated me. I would have hated me too by the quality of work I did. I was dropped off at this amazing house on Lake Washington, which is like 
the areas of, of all the areas. And uh, it, was, it, was this, it was basically a mansion. And he says, okay, I'm going to drop you off. Here are the tools, and I want you to redo the hardwood floor. Now, I don't change my oil. <laughs> and I got saws. I think they were saws. Um, some of you are going to tease me about this. Bernie, you're going to tease me about this Tuesday. I know it. But, I mean, I'm looking at saws and nail guns and hammers. And, I, I mean, I was hardly trained. I hardly had to know it. But, so I'm in this beautiful house, and I've got to renovate the floor. And the guy leaves, and he's like, I'll be back in three hours. And I'm like, okay. So I kind of want to impress him. And I'm like, okay, let me get this floor going. So there's always a starting point. Um, so I go off the door, uh, whatever trim thing. And so you see how good I am. And so I'm nailing that down. And then I, you're, you're supposed to start nailing boards together and do like one strip from wall to wall and then work off of that. And so I'm, I'm, I'm slamming floors, they called it. I had the lingo down. And, uh, and by the way, I cut my hands super bad. And I'm and I don't realize it, I'm bleeding all over the wood. Not good. If you're new to this, not good. And so I'm, I'm, I'm knocking all this floor out. And uh, about, about an hour and a half, maybe two hours later, I'm well into the living room. And I look back and the entire floor is off. The whole thing is slanting this way because I've been hitting the boards too hard. The whole floor is crooked in this mansion. And I'm, there's blood everywhere. <laughs> and I'm like... Uh, that's not going to go well. Yeah, and then, and then my boss walks in, the master <laughs> and the apprentice. And he does one of those things, you guys, where he walks in, like, and he's got a mallet, which is never good. And he just, he looks at me from the top of his eyes, like, you know, like, run. <laughs> and uh, the only thing I know to do when I'm, I think I was 18 years old is I'm like, it's not bad, right? Looks pretty good, right? The blood, we'll sand it right out. He fired me on the spot. He walked me out right there. But that's how renewing your mind works. He says, don't, don't, don't listen to all this out here. Remodel the whole thing. It gets really messy. You try to do it, and it gets all messed up, and, and there's, there's broken floor and crooked floor. The whole thing's there. And that's why Jesus is patient with us. He says, I, I need you to stay with me. I need, you, I need you to stay under the word. I need you to stay with my people right now. And I got to get you to keep thinking through this thing. As weird as it feels, as, as opposite as it feels, as antithetical as it feels to love right now, I need us to keep working the thing until the floor looks right. And if there's anything his guys needed to relearn, it was how to deal with enemies. Because the tension in the world was so thick. The political tension was so thick. Look at Matthew 5, 38 again. You guys good? By the way, it's so easy to manipulate God's word and use it for your benefit and power. Watch what he does in 538. Remember, there are religious leaders on the hill of Dolores Park listening. They have taught the people of God how to look at the Roman government all wrong. And he says in verse 38, directly challenging the leadership, you have heard that it was said... An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, look up here. That's in the Old Testament. God said that. But here's what they did. That was given to the governments. That was given to the Jewish government. If somebody killed your cow, the government had the ability 
to exact revenge. If somebody killed a loved one, the government was empowered to execute you. It was an eye for an eye thing, but it was government. The religious leaders came along and said, hey, if you're, if you're a Jew, that's your right. So if someone messes with you, if someone punches you in the mouth, punch him back. So the whole thing got really messy. They twisted the word of God. Likewise, verse 43. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That, that, no, no. So we only have to, to love our neighbor. Well, who's our neighbor? And people are arguing with Jesus about this. And guys, the same thing's going on right now. We are prone to love those who voted like us, who are moving like us right now, who are in the stream of our thoughts, in our views about the world, about law, legislation, government, presidents. We love those people. That's our side. But Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, you shall love those who are like you. Jews were taught, you just have to use Jew, love Jews. But you can hate your enemy. You can hate Rome. You can hate the governments. You can hate those people, even though they're fathers and sons and humans. You can, you can hate them. Guys, what are we going to do with that? What are we, we going to do with that teaching right there? Jesus is telling us the same thing. He's saying, follow me. This is how we're going to do it afresh. Love? No, that doesn't make sense. I, I can't imagine the 12 sitting there just being like, yeah, Jesus, yeah, we like this. After all, Jesus was supposed to start a revolt and a war, and they were supposed to slaughter the government and all those who sided with Rome. It's eating at them. This teaching doesn't sit easy in the heart. There's a longing for justice. Is there a longing for justice in you? See, that's the problem, the longing for justice. And we're wired that justice comes through revenge. Justice comes by destroying. Justice comes when you hurt equally or evenly. It's pulsating in the heart of the 12. It's pulsating in the people of this country. Jesus, teach us how to follow you. Teach us to make sense of this. If you're telling us to love right now, even those who, who are against us, who don't agree with us, please give us some substance. So I'm going to give you two thoughts from Jesus. If you want to truly follow him in the most radical time, maybe in our country, here's a fresh way forward in following Jesus right now. Two thoughts. How do we respond to those we may even be calling our enemies? How do we respond to those people who don't see things like us? How do we respond to the fear in our country right now? The first thing is this, guys. Please write this down. Hate will not change anything. It will only keep evil circulating. But it's so easy to hate. And it's so easy to hurt back, but it's not working. There's already one dead in Oregon. It's not working. The protests aren't going to work. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have a voice. I'm not saying people don't have the right to do it. It's not going to work if it's hate-driven. Man, fear hate, guys. Fear it. Matthew 5, 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Jesus says, 
that won't work. That won't change anything. That only will circulate hate. I was having a, a great talk with Luke about this, and, and he was cracking me up. And I, and I, I mean, it was kind of a, a, a scary cracking up, but he, we were talking about this right here. Like, if, if someone hurts me or someone who has a different stance on things, they hurt me on Facebook, and I fire back on Facebook, and I, I hurt them back, it, the score's not even. It's not an evening. It's not like, okay, you hurt me, I, I hurt you, now we can go our ways. We don't work that way. There's, you got to one-up back. That's what I mean by it will just keep circulating, and that's what Jesus means in 38. If you do an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth thing, nothing, it will never end until someone's dead. Verse 39, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Well, what do you mean, Jesus? But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, like... That's a backhand, guys. That's a backhand, the right cheek. That's not, that's not like a da. That's a backhand. That's not cool. <laughs> like, have you ever been slapped? I'd rather be punched in the gut. Like, that is the most humiliating experience. It doesn't even, it's not even the pain. It's like, you got slapped. <laughs> if anybody slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, like, don't, Jesus. Give me room. Let them have your cloak as well. By the way, people only had really two garments back then. They had a tunic and a cloak. So you want my undershirt. All I've got is a cloak, and I'm like, cool, here. Wow. Following Jesus is a radical, liberating experience. Verse 41, and if anyone forces you to go one mile. By the way, the Roman government could do that, right? We know that. They could grab a Jew, and they could say, carry my gear for one mile. I'm stealing some of his gear. I'm getting, I'm getting mine. Jesus says, go with them too. These, these are not so much about insults, guys. When, when someone, you know, the, the slapping of the cheek, the losing of a garment, walking two miles with a guy you really can't stand, it's not so much about the injury, but it's about honor, isn't it? It's about feeling inferior, powerless. See, that's the problem in our country right now. There's a feeling of inferiority and powerlessness, and that's an awful feeling. Humans are designed to be empowered. And when you feel like your power is being taken away, and you feel like you're being made inferior as, as uh, I'm surrounded by women in a good way. My, my home is always, I've, I've been surrounded by women. When I, when I hear things about the disrespect of women, it makes me sick. And it's not, it's not so much the the injury as it's the feeling of powerlessness. That's where justice starts welling up inside me. And so here we are. We're, we're, we're threatened. Jesus' people were threatened. The 12 were threatened. And you're going to respond because you want justice. And there's only a couple basic ways that you're going to respond to the injustice going on right now. But just know that you have to respond because we're wired for justice. You can have some type of passive response where you just allow yourself to continually being hurt and you don't respond back. One day you're going to blow. You can have some type of vindictive response or a retaliation response. Um, let me show you what that looks like as well. Um, Psalm 39. I love how transparent the Bible is. God does not veil these men in stained glass and tell us they're perfect. He shows us when they blow their tops. David is being persecuted 
by powerful people. And he says in 39.1, I say, I will guard my ways. I'm not going to retaliate. So I will not sin with my tongue. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to say anything, even though this oppressive stuff is over me. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle. Don't you love that? I'm going to tie up my mouth. I'm not going on Facebook, David says. So long as the wicked are in my presence. When they're around me and they're saying things that are taking away my power, I'm not responding. But watch what happens. It doesn't work. I was mute and silent. Okay, you're doing good so far, David. I held my peace to no avail. Didn't work. Because the heart's like a balloon. And with tension and frustration and pain and injustice start building up in the heart, it's got to release some way, somehow. He goes, my heart became hot within me. Some of you felt that way this week. My heart became hot within me, white hots. As I mused, as I... As I regurgitated the thought over and over, the fire burns. Then I spoke with my tongue. Then I let it out. Then I blew up on someone. You see, guys, it doesn't work. If you're going to try to pack it down, it's not going to work. If you're just going to retaliate, you're going to circulate evil. Now think about this. Vengeance, anger, hate, rage, retaliation. It doesn't actually put out anything. It doesn't actually heal anything. It does not move the human project forward. And as the people of God, Jesus shows us a fresh way. Our government is flawed. It's the greatest government in the world, but it is a human government. It's deeply flawed. Trump is our president. He has said some terrible things, yet the American people voted in him, voted in him because they are so tired of politicians. So here's the response. Let's go destroy things in our city that we paid for with our tax dollars. J-Law, Jennifer Lawrence, I'm so glad she has changed her stance. No, Jennifer Lawrence, do not tell the young women of this country on Twitter, the millions who follow you, let this enrage you. You can't do that. What has rage accomplished? I'm so glad to see her come back out and say we need to move past rage and move into healing. And that's why pop culture cannot lead our culture, but the Christian church is supposed to lead our culture. So how are we going to be heard then? If this is a passive loving thing, then how are we going to be heard? Well, you've heard the old saying, guys, that holding on to anger is like drinking poison and, 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 and trying, to, trying to get the other person to die. It doesn't work. So how are we going to be heard now? It's not going to be by force through government. Um, I, I want to get something across to you. Governments will not solve the problems that are eating us alive. They were never meant to. How are we going to be heard? How are things going to get better? Well, well... It may take Christians letting the life of Jesus flow out of them. We, we may just have to be Christian. So let me show you something very encouraging. And this is your call right now in this season. I, I am glad I'm alive in this season in the history of the world, the narrative of the world. It is tight and it is tense and we are the lights. Let's go. 
So here's my second thought. We'll buzz through this quickly. I want to leave with a charge and an idea. And I want us to get after this thing as a new community working through the tension points in our culture in new and fresh ways as we learn from Jesus how to love. Make sure you're in Matthew chapter 5. Second thought here, radical acts of love soften and change human hearts. So people have asked me like crazy, how are you going to respond? How are you going to lead in response through love? Through love. There's enough people hating and full of anger, and it's not stopping anything. It's agitating everything. Someone's got to radically love. So here's what happens, guys. Jesus offers a new sort of justice. He's not saying you'll never get justice concerning the oppressive things said and the type of government that's over us and your loved ones who are of a different race, who you're fearful for. You're not going to get justice through violence, anger, and hate. I'm going to offer you a beautiful new sort of justice, a creative justice, a healing, restorative justice. And you're like, whoa, what does that look like, Jesus? Matthew Chapter 5, verse 39. He says, but I say to you. Okay, verse 38. Okay, you're going to hurt me. I'm going to hurt you. Verse 39. But I say to you, here's a fresh way to be human. Do not resist the one who is evil. Which is to say, do not retaliate. It doesn't mean you, you sit there and take blows on your chin. Don't retaliate through violence or hate or rioting. Retaliate in a new and powerful and fresh way. Watch how I retaliate against evil in this world. Jesus isn't teaching that we offer our other cheeks to be hit. I hate that teaching. Like someone, you know, boom, boom. Like that's the way of Jesus. I don't think so. He says in 39, but if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. It's my belief that, here's what Jesus is saying, you hurt me. Remember, remember the custom back then. Remember what Judas did when he turned Jesus over in the garden. What did he do? He kissed him. He kissed him. It was customary to kiss on the cheek. Some of you, when you see me on Sunday mornings, because you're from other countries, you kiss me on the cheek. It's your way of saying peace and love. I believe the real teaching is here, here from Jesus is someone hits you or someone hurts you. And it's metaphorical. It's not someone actually hitting you. It's someone hurts you and you offer the cheek of peace. You say love. No, the response is love. I'm offering you peace. Embrace me. Kiss me. Love me. I love you. What? Jesus, what? I don't believe Jesus is teaching that we offer our other cheek and become doormats and be beat on. I believe he's offering the other cheek to be kissed as a message of peace and love. I will not hurt you back. I will love you back. But that is a dangerous, dangerous way to follow Jesus. Jesus did it and it put him on a cross. But through the cross, peace came to earth. He's saying that when someone hurts you, retaliate, retaliate, retaliate. But do it with an act of love because of what love does to the heart. This doesn't mean, guys, we don't do anything to those who hurt us. It means that we do something so countercultural, so powerful, so Jesus-like, that it begins to awaken a person to the wrong. Do you know what it's like when you hurt someone and they love you back? What is that? That messes with your head. That messes with your hearts. 
And Jesus didn't retaliate. He didn't stay quiet about injustice. He did not stay quiet about hate. Here's how he retaliated. He acted toward his, toward, towards his enemies in such a beautiful way that shaped them through love. Love softens the heart because love intensifies a person's evil. Look at Matthew 540. Let me explain what I mean. Verse 40, and if if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, that's awful. Like someone just sues you and they're like, I'm going to get that from you and I'm going to hurt you. And here Jesus goes, let them have your cloak as well. Someone's suing you and you say, look, I'm very sorry that this thing's not working. I'm very sorry if I did something wrong. If there's any way that I can fill in the gap and I can help you even more, I will do it. And as the person suing, that begins to truly mess with the hearts. That, you see, when you, when you are full of anger and evil and someone responds with anger and evil, you don't see your anger and evil as anything really bad. But when someone loves you back, it shows your anger and evil in whole new ways. Because now you have something to compare it to, the love someone's giving back. Verse 41, and if anyone forces you to go one mile, some Roman Roman soldier grabs you by the arm as, as some young Jewish person waiting for the rabbi to come and teach you and he grabs you by the arm and he throws this pack down and he says, go with me a mile, boy. And you're walking behind him and, and you hit that mile and he says, now get out of here. And you say, no, 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 it's cool. It's all, we're good. Where are you going? Well, I'm going that way too. Let me, let me carry this. It's all good. No worries. And you know what's going on in your heart. It's very hard to feel that way. <laughs> but through the power of the Holy Spirit, that young Jewish man walks the extra mile with the Roman soldier. And that Roman soldier is wondering to himself, when, when a world is on fire and everybody's fighting, yet this young man is loving me, that has a way of making me feel very convicted about my evil ways. This is how Jesus combats conviction through love. To follow Jesus is to follow a new way forward, guys. Reflecting the astonishingly patient love of Jesus towards those who hurt him so their hearts would melt under the power and conviction of love. This single act of loving those who hurt you is how Jesus Christ changed the world. It's called the cross. The way I got saved was realizing how much I rejected Jesus and how much I fought against Jesus. And I I heard a man tell me, and yet he's loved you and loved you and never gave up on you and never will throw you away. And he wants you and he's blessing you and he's treating you well. And I felt this heavy conviction. I would have rather heard Jesus hates you. It would have made me feel a whole lot better about hating him. But when I heard that he loved me, It just intensified and convicted all the things that I was throwing at him and telling people about Jesus, this Jesus Christ. It melted my heart. Anyone can protest. Anyone can burn dumpsters. But to love, that awakens the most hateful enemy's heart. So, If you want, you can look to the new president. You can look to the government. 
and pressure them to care for the handicapped, the oppressed female, the immigrant. You can demand and press the government for racial equality and racial reconciliation, but it's never worked. Or we can learn the ways of Jesus and follow him, and we can find those gaps where our government isn't doing justice to the handicapped, the oppressed, the female, the immigrant, racial reconciliation. And as the followers of Jesus, we can love them. We can give them a place of inclusion called the local church. We can love those who are hurting people. We can soften the heart. As a matter of fact, I would tell you that is the call. Am I concerned about our country? Kinda. Kinda. Is there an odd sense of purpose in me? Overwhelmingly. As the community of God, the community of light, a new city within our city that does what the government won't do, we love, we care, we embrace, we bring in, we give inclusion right here, the local church, and we pour grace on people. And if there's anybody out there who you're seeing, you're warring with, I pray you allow the way of Jesus in loving his enemies to soften your hearts and show some radical act of kindness and love towards a white, hot, angry person and watch what it does in softening them. This is the only way we go forward in healing this country. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads.